we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. If you're watching on the uh, the video stream, you can tell John McClain and I both still at the stadium a few hours after the Texans. Huge win over the Denver Broncos, 22-17 to to move to 7-5 and five on the season. But the win did not come out with some – or the, they did not come out of this win, the Texans, without some damage that we will get to in just a minute. But let's start with the, the good news on this as we come into the podcast here. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, uh, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. Um, John, let's start with the good, the win today and the effect on the standings, especially in light of some of the things going on here. Uh, you know, the, the the Browns are about to lose and the Steelers lost earlier today. Today was a good day for the Texans overall, but your initial thoughts, at least on the game itself, the win over the Broncos today. Could have been even better if the Titans hadn't blown that overtime game in Nashville. They were unbeaten in Nashville. They had a lead in overtime. And they let Gardner Minshew go straight down, throw the winning touchdown pass. So now the AFC South has turned out to be a lot better than people thought with the Texans and Colts at seven by five behind the Jaguars. And the game today, seven victories, most total combined total of the last two seasons. And uh, it was fun. That's that is eight consecutive games decided in the last 30 seconds, four of them with no time left on the clock and today ooh, they had nine seconds left yeah well and john uh and, and and credit jimmy ward for coming up huge with the interception at the end Derek stingley jr with two huge picks in the second half i'm sure their names are going to come up uh a little bit later on when we do stock up and stock down on this thing um but to me yet another thing that jumps out maybe i sound greedy because they are you're right they are seven and five they've now won as many games this season with five games left in the season as they won in all of the previous two seasons combined with seven wins. But this was another win, John, where I'm like, man, if if things just go a certain kind of way or they just you know don't shoot themselves in the foot, this game never should have been this close. Some of it wasn't their fault. That was a horrible, horrible call uh, by the officials to call. Don't say program. anything else about it. Okay, okay, stock up, stock down. But this, the Texans left a lot of points on the field. In the independent of that, in the first half, a lot of points left on the field. C.J. Stroud missed a little, you know, kind of a like a little looping screen to Andrew Beck down near the goal line. That could have been a touchdown, should have been a touchdown. And then um, missing John Mechie right at the end of the half uh, in the two minute drill there at the end of the half, they score. If they, he hits Mechie, who was wide open, which was really good to see. Um, that, that John Mechie, just John Mechie getting open at this point is really important because I know we're going to talk about Tank Dell. Mechie's going to get some more snaps here in the future. They hit that play right there. It's 20-3, to three, and it's curtains at halftime um, if they hit that play. So some missed opportunities. But as the Texans have done more often than not during this streak of these eight games that you're talking about, John, they find a way to win at the end of the game, and that is the really important thing in all this. Um, Dalton Schultz didn't play. Reverend Jordan stepped up. Tank Dell didn't have a catch, and yet Stroud still threw for 274 yards. Yep. It's amazing. Noel Brown didn't have a catch. He had two two targets, one he dropped. Robert Woods played, didn't even have a target, and yet he threw for 274 yards. And it's amazing the way players step up, and they're really going to have to step up 
with Tank Dell out and defensively. They made some bad plays and ended up making some great plays. I thought, sure, as you mentioned, you get to the 11 and the 20 and the 20 and you don't score touchdowns, I thought it was going to bite them in the ass, and it almost did. It almost did. Um, before we get into stock, excuse me, stock up, stock down, John, uh, the Tank Dell injury. Boy, C.J. Stroud, I know you are at the press conferences after the game. I only got to hear the audio, so you actually got to see it. Um, just listening to it in the long pauses from C.J. Stroud when he was asked about Tank Dell. I think anybody who listens to this podcast who's a Texan fan knows that those two are very close, very close friends. Um, obviously have an, an amazing connection on the field. And Tank Dell, forget about the rookie label, he's become an impact wide receiver for this team. I think his absence probably factored in to some degree to their inability to move the football in the second half of this game. Or the only way they really did move the football throughout the game more often than not, was just big chunk plays to Nico Collins, who had 190 of C.J. Stroud's 270 yards passing. Um, but this Tank Dell injury sounds like it's a broken leg. It'll be, that'll be it for the year for him. Um, how, do, how do the Texans uh, overcome? How do the Texans try to, I don't want to say replace Tank Dell, because as D'Amico Ryan said, you never replace Tank Dell, but how do they continue to maintain their productivity level without one of their best weapons? Yeah, he's got a fractured fibula. He'll have to have surgery. He should be back in plenty of time for next season. And you still have Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Robert Woods, John Mechie, uh, Dalton Schultz, and now Brevin Jordan averaged 21 yards a catch. He had the best game of his career. So they still have receivers, and that's a credit to what Nick Casario did in the draft. And and uh, they've overcome every injury. There's only one player they can't afford to lose. And I say that, Davis Mills comes in for one pass. He's two of two. He's got a great rating. <laughs> Last week, what is like one yard? Yes. Yeah. One pass, 18 yards. So I've always thought if something did happen to Stroud, knock on wood, you know, Davis is really taken to Bobby Slowick in his offense. So as long as as long as Stroud's healthy, this offense is capable of moving the ball. But man, did they stink it up again against running the ball? And I I I had so much hope for the running game. Now I don't even know why they run the ball. I'm with you, John. Like I like at this point, what's the What's the point? I almost feel like, you know how you talk about, uh, you know, certain players, like we got to see what this guy does, whatever he does well. And that's what we're going to accentuate. You know, you do it a lot with rookie quarterbacks who maybe don't have the full capacity to ingest the playbook. Like we'll find that eight or 10 style of plays he does well. And we'll work around that. I like, I feel, I almost feel like Bobby Sloak's at the point, like, okay, we need to find what this offensive line does well and then call plays for that. Because I can tell you right now, the plays that don't work are anything where you're running between the tackles. Does not work. This was a bad run defense, John. I mean, Worse we than talking, the NFL. Yeah, I mean, we were talking in the pregame show, like, okay, maybe this will look like the Cincinnati game or the uh, the Arizona game, uh, and it it looked like it looked like neither. It looked like the Jacksonville game from last it week. Looked like it, it looked like it, it. They get hit in the backfield. Uh, well, I've got a, st- a stock down. I'm gonna save it. But uh, one of the things. They might as well. It's like the run and shoot. They used to throw all the time, and the linemen will always back up for passing. So the running backs get a thousand yards on draw plays because yeah. they were never ready because the the offensive line was backing up. And that's almost to what they become here because the running game. I don't know. You know, I keep saying they're not going to win. Hell, they're seven and five, and they've yeah. overcome so many things. And that's a 
testimonial to D'Amico Ryans and his coaches. Yeah, well, the only big play they had running the ball today, John, was on first and 25. Uh, you know, and, and the, the Broncos aren't lined up thinking they're going to run. Was that the 22-yard game? Yes, yeah, they went from first and 25 to second and three. You know, the best play of the game, two of them, Dari Goombawali falling on that fumble. Yep. But when Brevin Jordan, I mean, uh, when Stroud was rolling to his left, and he was being chased, oh. and he was and he was wasn't just being chased to the sideline. He was being chased at an angle, and he somehow threw a floater up to Jordan. It was a perfect pass. It was incredible. It was incredible. That was that may have been his John. most impressive throw of the year. It might have been John. I had a buddy text me in the you know up in the press box. I had a buddy who was watching the game at home, Rick, who I know listens to the podcast. He texted me. He goes, "You and Seth could do a whole segment on that throw to Brevin Jordan tomorrow. <laughs> like it was that." Remarkable. It was. Yes. It, it shows up in the box score is probably like a ten or twelve yard pass to Brevin Jordan. But man, when you watch that like that, he is just special, man. Like he is special, no doubt. Um, I keep right, worrying away. They're protecting him right now. Five yeah. sacks, and those guys don't get touched on blitzes. That somebody is going to hurt him. And when he goes out, everybody's holding their breath. That's two times now that he's gone out and come right back. But yeah. it's just scary. You got to keep your fingers crossed and hold your breath because he's taking some shots. He got up gimpy after one of them today. I'm not talking about the one he got taken out. That was after a QB sneak. Um, but he came up gimpy uh, after one of the plays today. He stayed in on, and it was on a second down. He stayed in third down. They don't convert, and he came off the field. Um, but yeah, I'm, John, I'm with you. I th- it's, it feels like we're back to where we were in weeks one and two. Yeah, he was taking a whole bunch of hits, and that's that's not good. They got to figure that out. All right, you ready to do stock up, stock down, and then get out of here, my friend? Let's do it. All right, let's do stock up, stock down for this bad boy. 22-17, the final score. The Texans win today. They're 7-5 and five on the season. We do four stock up and four stock down, and John always goes first. Boy, it's it's hard because there were a lot of them stars, today, John. three stars in this game, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Nico Collins. They had nobody else at wideout helped at all. He had nine catches, 191 yards, 21.2 average per catch, a touchdown. He had gains of 59, 52, and 39 yards. He was fantastic right now. He has 59 catches, 991 yards, six touchdowns, 16.8 average. And when I see Nico now, I'm thinking this. He's going to get some big money. Yeah. Um, he'll be He'll be three years in after this year is over. So he's allowed to get a contract extension. They got a ton of cap space to work with, a lot of money to spend. Do you think he's one of the? He, you think Absolutely. he's one of the contracts? You think they Absolutely. lock him up? Okay, they better lock him up. He's their big play guy. And tell you something else, since we talked about him, mm-hmm. we don't know if Noel Brown, Robert Woods will be back next year. And this is an incredibly deep and talented draft for wide receivers. So that Browns pick, wherever it is, if they want to get a big play receiver there, wait till the second or third round, it is loaded. Yeah, there's a lot of receivers in this draft. And, John, I would submit, you know, well, Robert Woods will be back. He signed a two-year deal, so he'll be back. Um, but Noah Brown is the one, you know, he signed like a one-year $2.6 million deal. And just based on a, a few games middle of this season, he's probably set himself up, not here necessarily, but maybe somewhere else where he gets – Five million a year from some team. You know what I mean? Like it's my point being that guys are going to want to come here and play with CJ Stroud. Whatever that strata of receiver that you get to kind of fill out the rest of the receiver room, guys like that are going to want to come and play here with them. Now, I feel like their wide receiver room is pretty well set next year with with Tank Dell and with Nico. 
with Robert Woods, Mechie, Xavier Hutchinson still in the building. But I'm with you. Like, you know, you start to get to Xavier Hutchinson and there's no sacred cows. He's a six-round pick who's caught one ball this year. Um, I'm with you. I think a weapon, a weapon for CJ in the draft would be super exciting. It would be really exciting. Just flood him with weapons, man. And speed. See, I don't think Robert Woods is guaranteed being back for his second season. This no, season. I'm just saying he's under contract is all. Yeah. Like he's yeah, like I'm, I'm with 31. you. Yeah. He didn't go squat today. He needs these young guys are stepping up. And you mentioned Hutchinson. Hutchinson's yeah. made plays when he's had a chance. Every time I know he's not getting chances this year unless somebody gets hurt. Somebody maybe he'll get chances now with Tank out. I yeah. want to see what Hutchinson can do. I agree. All right, my first one is Will Anderson Jr., John, who um, this is this is why you traded up to get him with the third overall pick in the draft, was games like today. He was all over the place today, pressuring the quarterback. I don't know how many pressures he wound up with. Eight. He had eight tied his season high. Okay, well, he had seven. I knew he had seven in the middle of the third quarter. Um, he, he had his first multi-sack game, uh, two sacks on the day, uh, four QB hits on the day, a couple of TFLs. Um, he even got his finger on a ball. Uh, the first interception that Derek Stingley had, he got his finger on that ball. So he had a pass defended. Um, I believe got a piece of the punt that was only yeah, a 22 yard. 22, punt. Yep. Yeah. So he was our guest. He was our guest on the post game show. And I, man, I just, I can't overstate how much I love Will Anderson jr. I think he he's a great player. He's an outstanding kid. Um, he's a phenomenal interview. Uh, he's just so good. And he said that, um, he said that the thing that D'Amico Ryans had been preaching all week was matching the physicality of the Denver Broncos. He said that was a number one on the whiteboard this week was physicality. And I thought the Texans, I thought the Texans lived up to that today. I thought they were, a, I, I didn't look at either of those teams and say that team was way more physical than that one. I thought that both teams played very physical games today, but Will Anderson, super impactful, John. And he's, he, he's been solid all year, you know, anywhere from solid to good all year. He's having games now between this game this week, the Cardinal game a couple weeks ago. Like these are games that if like this becomes the norm for Will Anderson, he's in the Nick Bosa, uh, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year type conversations. When he, when he starts to do this on a week in week out basis, that's what we got used to with JJ Watt. Like you would get used to opening up the box score and just, just there's a slew of crooked numbers across the, you know, his box scores five, three, four, two, three, six, you know, like, and it's all, just it, all indications of being super active and super impactful, and I couldn't be happier for Will Anderson today. And on Wednesday, we're going to find out who he passes the Lombardi Trophy to because uh, the, the big event is here at the Royal Sinesta Hotel, and the four finalists are in, and uh, and uh, it's going to be a big evening in Houston, and he, he won the 49th, and we'll find out he's going to win the 50th. My next one, Derek Stingley, Jr., can't wait for the Jets game. Sting versus Sauce. Stingley's had four interceptions since he's come back. And remember, when he went on IR, a lot of people wanted Casario fired because he had drafted him and Kenyon Green. Yep. And he's showing why they drafted him third overall. Those interceptions that he makes, one was on the ground that Will Anderson tipped. The other one was a leaping, diving, flying interception like a wide receiver and he's made some hard hit he broke up four passes so Derek Stingley Jr. he and Will Anderson third overall picks they're getting their money's worth yep no doubt about it uh all right John my last one is CJ Stroud's a little too easy uh to to have in here so I'm gonna go I you know I'm gonna go with Brevin Jordan today 
three catches for 64 yards in the game today. You mentioned him earlier, 21 yards a catch. Did have a drop in the game that was unfortunate. Um, kind of a you know little little quick seam route that that he should have held on to probably. Um, but uh, but when Brevin Jordan gets ahead of steam, man, like he's he he can be an impactful football player. Uh, they needed him today. There was no Dalton Schultz out there today, John. If they can, especially with Tank Dell now out, if there's some things that they can throw at other teams where they've got both Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan on the field, and they're kind of threatening that intermediate part of the field, um, maybe that's one way they sort of cobble something new offensively without the threat of Tank Dell out there. But I was happy for Brevin Jordan. He knew all week long that this was going to be his most important game as a Houston Texan. And for the most part, he played like it today, um, made the big catch that you talked about to get them in position to get their their um, their their other touchdown today. Uh, so um, uh, Brevin Jordan is my other stock up today. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, do you want to do stock down now, John? Um, I could go either way on this okay. because the offensive line was awful. But the running backs, you know, in the second half, the Texans had 13 carries and 12 yards. Jeez. In the first half, 17 carries for 77 yards. Okay, I thought, boy, they're on the pace for 154. Broncos are giving up an average of 155, and they just stunk it up in the second half. You take away – Damian Pierce's 22-yard run, and he had 14 carries for 19 yards. That's not even two yards of carry. And I hate to blame the backs because it's the run blocking more than the backs, but it was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to add my stock down here to um, just the team in general, the running game in short yardage. I don't think I've ever rooted for a team, John, where it feels like, Short yardage is so grueling for them to the extent that the, half the time they got to want just line up and shotgun now and throw the football on short yardage. Um, there's times where Bobby Slowick gets super cute on short yardage and it doesn't work. Here's the biggest thing for me, John, now is that it looks like in these short yardage situations, at least they did it a couple times today, is that they're, they're going to start leaning on C.J. Stroud more on the QB sneaks to get the first down. And I turned to Landry Locker sitting next to me when he he got the he got the third and one in the second half and I turned to Landry I said man I do not like that this is becoming the staple to get the first downs I get it you go with your most effective plays and maybe we have some PTSD in this town about QB sneaks based on Matt Schaub hurting his foot back in 2011 on a QB sneak with Albert Hainsworth's fat ass falling down on top of his foot but I turned to Landry and I said man I do not like them having to do this with CJ Stroud who's already taking five sacks in a game they're doing this, and John, no fewer than five seconds later, CJ is getting walked off the field by the officials to get examined for presumably for a concussion in the tent. And I turned to Landry and said, "That's why I don't like it. You know, you're putting your your best asset in harm's way. This is what the ineptitude on short yardage has yielded for us, John. It's yielded the fact that the best play for them to get first downs is putting their most important asset in complete harm's way." That is and a it, huge stock down for me. They did it three times, and it worked every time, so they're going to be tempted to keep doing it. Yeah. And that can backfire. You saw with Tank Dell what can happen to a scrum when your knee yeah. gets bent. Keep Stroud away from that. Every once in a while is fine. Yeah. But like you said, don't make it your mainstay yep. for what you're trying to accomplish. What's Just might as well spread them out and yeah. let him throw on third and fourth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, that's uh, – 
the, this QB sneak, excessive QB sneaking. He, he ain't a tush push guy, you know? Um, so uh, what's your other stock down, John? Well, you brought it up earlier and I cut you off. That's okay. It was the officials mm-hmm. who robbed Desmond King of a touchdown. He stripped the ball. He took it away from the receiver. For some reason, they called him down. Made no sense. It wasn't trying. They weren't trying to protect the receiver because nobody else was coming in there to drill him. There was no reason to blow a whistle and stop that play. He was just the two of them, and it happened instantaneously. And when I think the Texans have been screwed, I always want to look at what the national media says and to just because make sure I'm not because it's the Texans I cover, but all of them said he got screwed on that. Desmond King had nine tackles, a team high. It's too bad he didn't get that touchdown that he deserved. Yeah, we should give a bonus stock up to Desmond King as well, I think, in this game. He was he was all over the place. Uh, he got screwed on that play. John, they, if the officials – that's another sort of gateway to this game becoming close. If the officials get that call right – then the game's over. It's 23 to three at that point. They're like the Broncos had done nothing. It almost felt like that play kind of gave them a little bit of life, you know, because they, instead they, it was a third down. So instead of a touchdown, the Broncos did have to punt, but they got a pretty good punt on the play. And the Texans, instead of 23 to three, it's still 16 to three. And the Texans are starting at their own, you know, 15 yard line at that point. And on a day where the only times they were really moving the ball was when they were hitting deep shots to Nico Collins. So, that I thought that play was not only it wasn't just the seven points in a vacuum, it was the juncture in the game that had happened. If they if they uphold that play and they allow that touchdown, the, it's curtains. The Bron- this, that Broncos team is not coming back from a 20 point deficit in a game where they've only scored three points the entire day. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, my last stock down, John, uh, the Texan season ticket holders. Who sold a That's a good one. Yeah, who sold their tickets to Bronco fans? Like this ain't twenty twenty two. It's embarrassing. This is this is not twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one where you're just trying to recoup your cost or you're angry at the team or something like that. And not only are they winning, like they're one of the most exciting teams to watch play offense with CJ Stroud. This was a big step backwards, I thought, for you know Operation Fill the Stadium, which the Texans feels like has been like this almost separate project they've been working on all year. They've got the big project, which is getting a good football team again. That one's going swimmingly well right now. That one's going beautifully. The other operation of getting people actually back into the building to watch this good football team play once again has been a slow burn. It's, you know, and they're doing everything they can. I don't, I don't blame anybody in the business office for where we're at right now on the optics of things. And I know ticket sales themselves always exceed what we see with our own eyes. Plenty of tickets were sold for this game today. The problem was a ton of them, especially in the lower bowl, had bright orange jerseys on for this game. So I think just in general, um, I, I, and I would never try to shame somebody into going to the game, but I, I will say it's just really disappointing that so many Texan fans sold their tickets to a game that's, you know, it's the most important game they played in this stadium in, in, in uh, well, most important game they played in a week compared to last week's Jacksonville game. But let's let's kind of look at it as like holistically, like this stretch of football is the most every game during the stretch of football becomes the next most important game that they've played in in however long. That's how I choose to look at it. Like this whole second half of the season is one gigantic, important, big game. And for so many Bronco fans to be there, especially after things got so loud and awesome, relatively speaking, during the Jacksonville and Arizona games, um, it was loud only for the Texans in those games. That was tough to watch today. 
I'm guessing they bought those tickets after the schedule came out when it, everybody thought the team was going to be terrible. What bothers yeah. me more is people that buy tickets and don't show up. That is embarrassing. Why they spend their money and don't come, whether it's the lower blow, bowl, upper. I was looking at all these empty seats. I just don't understand why you pay the money and you don't show and you don't give your tickets away. Sean, I know so many people, and I know you do too, who'd love to come to the game if they could afford the tickets. It's just, it's an embarrassment. We we may need to, uh, not, not we, me and you. I, Landry did this last year, and I thought it was really cool. Like last year was... There were tons of people that didn't want to use their tickets for obvious reasons. The team stunk. But Landry was doing a thing on the air last year, Landry Locker, that I thought was really cool. Like, he was like, hey, man, if you're not going to use your tickets, then call the show right now. We can get your information and then let somebody use them who's never been to a game before, you know? And the only two games they have left at home are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And I'll be, I'll be, I'm fascinated to think of what Christmas Eve is going to look like, John, because chances are. Well, chances are they're going to come back nine and five from this. I think they're going to beat the Jets and the Titans in the next two weeks. Worst case, they split and they're eight and six and still very much in the playoff hunt going into the last three games of the year. I'm really anxious to see what that Christmas Eve game looks like because I think, and I'm I'm nervous because I think it's going to look like the reaction you just had. Oof, when you said that. I think there's a ton of people that would love to use tickets and give them to somebody as a Christmas present and go see the Texans and the Browns play. They can't afford tickets. You know what I mean? Like I, I'd love to figure out some sort of brokering broker system for people who are just punting on these tickets and not going to use them and waste them to get them in the hands of somebody who will actually sit in the seats and go to the game. I believe the Texans have something on their website for people that don't want to use their tickets. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, I, I, we need to find that out then and make it public because um that's going to be a big game, that Cleveland game. And I think they're going to win the next two games. I think they're going to beat Tim Boyle and the Jets next week. I think they're going to beat Will Levis, who got in DeAndre Hopkins' face at one point today. That was always That's always interesting to, to watch. Spoiled little Connecticut boy Will Levis going after his teammate D-Hop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know something about spoiled Connecticut people, John. Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, but I think they come back here on Christmas Eve, nine and five, very much in the, very much in the, in the mix in the AFC playoff picture. That game could bet flex too. Could get flexed on Christmas Eve. Some one of them's going to get flexed because I think it's the Patriots on there right now. Even though the Browns lost, they're both tied right now. Yeah. I think it'd be so, so great if the Texans draft choice that they get from Cleveland is better than the draft choice the Cardinals get from the Texans. I bet on it right now. John, I, I don't think this is sustainable. Cleveland with Joe Joe Flacco played about as well as he could possibly play at quarterback today. They lost by two touchdowns to the Rams, and yeah. he threw an awful interception in the fourth quarter. We were on – Brandon Scott and I – Brandon Scott did the postgame for Clint Sterner today, and uh, Brandon and I are on the air during the postgame show watching that game while we're doing the scoreboard section. And that game was ongoing while we were doing it. We're like, yeah, you know, the Broncos are, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the Browns are trailing the Rams 20 to 19. Hey, man, Flacco's played pretty good, though. And we're reading his, literally reading his stats. And he hadn't thrown any interceptions yet. And Brandon starts going into this whole thing about, like, how, yeah, man, like Flacco, like he was really lauding Flacco for how he was protecting the football. And Brandon, he, he barely finished two sentences about it before Flacco just throws up an old school Flacco floater in the middle of the field. That the defensive back practically fair catches and returns back to the back to the Browns 30 yard line. It was uh 
it was uh, it was pretty pretty funny. So, um, John, I enjoyed it. I always enjoy these more when they are wins that we are talking about. I've got my report card on SportsRadio610.com, and I'll have a column on uh, uh, putting it all in perspective. Uh, be posted early in the morning. Can't wait, John. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to talking to you on Tuesday for a mailbag edition of the Houston. Thanks very much, John. Good stuff. All right, John, appreciate you. Yes, mailbag at gmail.com. I'm sure this game is going to spawn a lot, a lot of uh, conversation and any questions you have for John and I, um, we appreciate you. More and more new people emailing in. Uh, had a had a podcast listener, Dario from Monterey, stopped by the pregame show today, came up from Mexico with his three-year-old son. That's how he keeps up on the Texans is through this podcast, the Utopia Football Podcast. So we appreciate you telling a friend, downloading, clicking that subscribe button, and making sure that you get it sent right to your phone. Texans 7-5 on the season now and, uh, and moving right towards what we hope is a playoff berth here. 2023. Big thanks to James Jackson, our, our producer, for getting the podcast out to all of you on such a timely basis. James does a great job. So, for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Tuesday for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.